You're listening to Seeing the Sequel, the movie podcast about sequels to films that were never made. Probably for good reason. This week, we are talking about 1950s classic Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder and starring William Holden and Gloria Swanson. And, as ever, alongside me, three men who... Sometimes it's interesting to see just how bad bad writing can be. I've got Al, I've got Joe, and I've got John. Welcome back, guys. As you know, each episode, we have got to discuss the film. We've got to come up with a sequel. We've got to talk about the plot. We've got to cast it. We've got to come up with a director, and we've got to name it. And someone, at the end, has got to do the all-important pitch is it going to make the cut? Well, uh, this week, Sunset Boulevard, we've all watched it recently. Let's go round the room. Joe, Sunset Boulevard, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, this was on our, our... We did a sort of lockdown list of, like, good films, you know, that, that we hadn't seen largely in, in our household. Um, this was one of the only films on that list that we actually got to in the last year and a half. Um it was brilliant. Yeah, loved it. Um, it's it's. Uh, I, I didn't know much about it going in. Um, I knew sort of roughly what the plot was. Um, you know, I knew a couple of the iconic lines, the major iconic line at the end of the film. Um, I knew, but that was about it. Uh, yeah, loved it. Great stuff, man. John, uh, I'm going to come to you next because I know this is one of your your favourites. Great, uh, great one, great recommendation, man. So, when did you first come across this? Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I can't remember if it was at uni or if it was just after uni. Um, I went through like a phase of just absolutely loving um, trying to watch everything that Billy Wilder did, which I obviously didn't get to, but I just like did like the classic ones, like Seven Year H, The Apartment, Some Like It Hot. This Dalek Seventeen, um, what's the earlier Double Indemnity? Um, so yeah, like I came to this after having seen a bunch of those, so I was sort of set towards like liking it because I loved Billy Wilder so much. But um, yeah, I just love it. Like it's so. I think um, like the whole. Uh, you know, I, I can't really think of a better film that's about just like the celebrity obsession with image and how it destroys you as a person and how, you know, Norma uh, in the movie, even though she's washed up and she's done, like she just can't let go. And like the only thing she thinks about in this pretty bad, lonely life that she has is her fame and what people think about her and are people sending her letters and stuff. It's just sad, really, um, just how fame and success and being in the public eye has just kind of killed her as like destroyed her humanity really um i also think it's very brave in 1950 to release a film that is so cutting about hollywood when you know hollywood post-war it's about like making americans feel good it's a dream factory it's all of this stuff and here's billy wilder shows up and says there's a pretty dark side to what you're what you're consuming here um so not just the story that's shown in the film but the story kind of behind the film and what it says and why it was written and stuff um yeah really like not just a good film but like a really important film it's a good message yeah bang on man al um what do you think about this yeah first time first time for me um i've similar to joe it's been on like a little watch list that's just never you know never had uh play pressed on it um my billy wilder sort of uh, you know 
favourites would be Double Indemnity, definitely. I know, you know, know very well. Some Like It Hot in the Apartment, I suppose. They were like the three sort of tent poles for me. Um, I wasn't prepared for quite how noirish this was. And I absolutely, I mean, first and foremost, I have to say I absolutely loved it. I, and John hit on what I admired about it more, more than anything is like, I was incredibly impressed for there be, to be such a cutting and damning sort of portrait of Hollywood. And I thought it incredibly um, before its time for this to be done in 1950, like absolutely insane, really. Um, for, you know, for Paramount to go almost meta on it as well, because it's a Paramount picture, right? And it's like all about Paramount executives on one level as well. And, you know, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, I thought it was quite, quite beautiful. Like I said, part noir, part satire, part black comedy almost. Mm. Um, you know, absolute fantastic film ahead of its time. Um, and I, and one thing I would say, you know, I talk about beginnings and endings a lot to films, like what a last shot, what a powerful image, what a last five minutes. Like absolutely outstanding, her looking down the lens Um and again, all I'll say ahead of its time. Like I thought that was a wonderful piece of art to end it on. Um, and yeah, 1950, Billy Wilder, like the real deal. Awesome. What's what's the last shot? Remind me. I'm ready for my close up. That's the like, last. That's the last shot. Is it her yeah, looking she, into into in, camera into yeah. news camera? Uh, it's the news it, camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's the light, the played. lights all kind of like flare on the screen, and it gives her this kind of like extra mad. But she's literally gone out in light, sort of thing, which is kind of what she. Well, this was obviously that's some of the messages. It's kind of what she wanted, which is why it's so sad she would do anything for fame. Well, it's super sad, but you kind of smile at that moment somehow. Um, it got it got the balance right. I thought of like um, you know black comedy and like there was humor throughout the film. And yet it, it carried like a pretty dark noir, like undertone. Um, we sympathetic to her. Yeah, it was a good balance, I thought. I, I mean, for me, uh, going into it, fair, I mean, I love looking at all cinema and I especially love going back, uh, really because it's to remind ourselves that we very much live in a moment or certainly a lot of maybe our film canon is within a certain age bracket. So you get used to certain actors and every now and again you discover a new and a new and of course the further back you go you're you're hitting on uh William Holden now obviously um I didn't know this until the other day he's main he's Max in Network I mean like wow you Network. Ju- you, when you, know. you told me that before we started recording I, I put two and two together and that's blown I'm still not over that that's blown my no. mind but you think about um just how charismatic and how much he holds the screen. It's just like, wow. I mean, obviously, uh, Gloria Swanson, as uh, we were talking um, off recording earlier on, John reminded me she's a huge silent movie star. Nod to Buster Keaton uh, 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 as a bridge player and a couple other uh, silent movie stars. I used to love Buster Keaton growing up. Um, but it, it, there is a sympathetic angle to this film as much as she is crazy. You know, Joe is obviously sympathetic to her. He's caught within being supported, maybe not feeling valued as himself as an actor, ultimately just kind of giving up to a lifestyle that accepts him and then rebelling at the end. But I just, it's, you hit the nail on the head out. It's refreshing how far ahead, I think, in terms of putting the camera back on Hollywood, this film was at the time. And and I'm just really glad it exists. I think it was just an absolutely fantastic piece of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. And like I said, it's, you know, the, the like you think about his opening titles as well, like the double indemnity ones, you know, with the guy on crutches is quite iconic. Um, And this just, you know, 
you know, uh, there's artistic credit there very early, you know, like Hitchcock did. It's, you know, like a great opening title sequence just onto the gutter with Sunset Boulevard, then that kind of stencil font as we go in one shot across the sidewalk. Just thought it was, um, just thought it was, you know, really, really fantastic like that. Um, what you're talking about, whether she's sympathetic, what about Joe? Do you think Joe's, you know, how, how, do, you feel, how, do, you, how do you feel about Joe? Well, well, you know, I think Joe. I think I think all the. I think most of the people in the film, most of the characters in the film, are looked at. Are looked at sympathetically. The only thing that isn't really looked at sympathetically, I think, is Hollywood itself. It's Hollywood that has driven Joe there because they're not paying for him. They couldn't care less about his original stories, whatever. They couldn't care less about Norma. They couldn't care less about Betty. When they go to the lot, like you know, people just ignore them, don't want them there. They're sort of taking a piss behind their back. Like I think everyone, to an extent, while they have made their own beds by wanting to be this sort of celebrity and do this and that and nothing else is good enough for them, including Joe. Um, it's, it's ultimately left, it's ultimately written that Hollywood is the thing that's killed them. Well, they're all, all they're all victims, right? They're yeah. all, vic- they're all victims in this storyline yeah. from different, you know, and, and that's the point of Joe. He's a, you know, he's still a victim. She was a victim. Um, sort of. I think you you start to lose sympathy for Joe when he you know when he muscles in on is it Betty? The, the, well, that, yeah. well, that that's what I was talking about. He's muscling in on Betty. He is he is taking advantage of her generosity and sort of betraying her trust by sneaking out. But even though that's an issue, because obviously she you know he's he's borderline prisoner at that point, so you understand it. So I th- I think it got the balance right of his. Um, commitment to her and his rebelling against her. Um, and obviously, like, yeah, he, the only reason he ended up there really staying with her was desperation, right? He needed the, needs the yeah. money, uh, money, I guess, basically. Mm. So, well, speaking of um, desperation, four of us are here. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to come up with a sequel to Sunset Boulevard. So, uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, you know. Are you ready for my close-up at the end? Fantastic ending, as we've all said. She comes down the stairs. What awaits Norma's fate? Who wants to pick things up? Um, well, I I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm the one that sort of pushed for this film, but I struggled with coming up with something. And uh, I think one of the I think one of the key questions is: Are we just picking up where the story left? Are we setting it seventy years later? Are we moving it into a different generation of people um, or what? Because we could easily just do a period piece in which picks up immediately after, or we could zoom forward 70 years or zoom forward 500 years if we wanted. I don't know. 500. Um, (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) I I think with a title like Sunset Boulevard, you want it to represent another key switch period in Hollywood. Right. So like you could occasionally there could be a, a a sunset boulevard for every key change like okay so you know not maybe not color but i don't know motion capture or 3d you know what i mean so <laughs> motion so like, capture. So like oh. yeah, a so, romantic era of hollywood yeah. the motion capture era <laughs> andy circus is back in so basically andy circus is the villain because he starts take <laughs> he starts taking all the work that the animals used to have and the animals so like you know los angeles zoo rebels and all the animals <laughs> escape from the zoo kick off kill andy circus well uh, i've got an idea <laughs> um the, i just yeah i'm just gonna 
Go off piste a bit. I know, yeah, I noticed you weren't laughing at God, my idea, keen, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, no laugh. No laugh no, from the no. host there whatsoever. No, no. Just like, just, no. I just thought, when's this moment going to end? You can laugh and joke about drafts all you like, Al, but I'm going to talk about this very seriously. <laughs> I want to know, I was thinking when the film ended that I wanted to ultimately know what happened to Betty. Uh, and what I was thinking is, did Betty and Joe's film get made? Did Betty become a successful screenwriter? Are we now looking back from maybe our time, if you like, maybe kind of put it into an it follows, you can't really put the moment, but it's kind of of, of a period time where they're looking back at that film that she made afterwards and, and maybe a script that she didn't complete as a film and she wrote a film based on Joe and Norma's relationship life and turned that into a film yet to be made and they could remake uh, that film so you're actually sort of living it again, but it's essentially Betty's perspective of it as a screenplay. It's very nice. I think um, I think it's a very it's a very nice um, way of moving it along, and also um, I, I like the idea that you don't have to follow on immediately, right? So it could be thirty years after the events of the first movie that Betty's screenplay, like you know, the legend has has really set in. Uh, in Hollywood, like that that story, um, and thirty years later or whatever it is, her her screenplay gets picked up and it starts to get made. And that way, you don't have the problem of needing to follow on exactly after the events of the first movie and have the like you know casting de aging problems. You can just re- you can just recast de aging Gloria Swanson. You, you, yeah, you can just uh, recast everyone uh, in a, in a sort of thirty years later. I also like the idea of setting it though at a time. Um, where there is a a shift in in something in Hollywood that's um that 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 I think that you know g- gives you a, a, some kind of like Hollywood grounding for it to be a new setting of Sunset. Yeah, Boulevard. well, I think I think there's a couple of things there. I like the um, story of their life sort of thing. Um, I I don't know if thirty years may be too much, just because I'm thinking. 30 years ahead, maybe too much, just because I'm thinking that it would be nice if Norma was still alive and she could see this film come out. And that would be like the ultimate sort of present for her while she's still alive. Like she would absolutely love that. That would be like her, everything she thought about herself, everything she uh, envisioned about herself is suddenly come, like it's been reinforced because here's a film about her, her life, her story, even if it's this bit of it. Um, the other thing as well, the change, like Sunset Boulevard now, uh, like the place as seen in the film is like a place of just rich houses. Now it's just a crap hole. Now it's just like shops and tourists everywhere. Like it's just absolutely crud. So like, that's potentially another change as well about celebrity and consumerism and stuff that we can tap into. Great. That's a great, great shout. I mean, it's also, um, you say about Norma being alive, it's, I didn't realise this, but Nancy Olsen, who plays Betty, is still alive. So there could be a very clever... Get her in. De-age <laughs> No, don't even need to de-age her. Put her in now. Here's my script. Oh, it never got made. There you go. Is that what she what's... sounds like? She's turned into an old, annoying English woman. <laughs> what's, uh, what's her name, the actress? Nancy Olsen. Nancy. Nancy, have you ever heard of motion capture? <laughs> You're going to love this. <laughs> okay, so we don't go with the Andy Circus against the zoo. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know. I, I know what you're saying about it, it not being nice if she's still alive, but I feel like it needs to be modernised to a certain extent. And I also like the idea of the perhaps the murder and the Sunset Boulevard murder of the writer, you know, being becoming a myth 
So like, you know, no one really knows exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, well, you could start off and someone's trying to sell that house or something. And they're like, and this is the house where this person died. But people are like, that's bullshit. That's I think if we are making it now, it's a good chance for us to revisit the central elements of the theme, which are even more prevalent now in terms of what is celebrity, the death of, you know, the death of when your star fades, how you get it back. I think um, because Norma is such a strong character in the first, I'd like her to, her presence to be felt within this film. I'm not sure what I mean. I was always going to go along the lines of maybe the actress who is playing Norma starts to bind to Norma. That kind of, you know, almost her ghost, her presence is a character within the film itself, although not actually there. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's difficult. I know you're struggling to just put your, your finger on how to word it, but I know what you mean. The, the, the 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 cloud of Norman yeah. needs needs to completely yeah. hang over this. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, and maybe that is right. Maybe that is, but uh, John, as you know, kind of predictable as it is. Maybe that is by having an executive who sort of um, cares about the legacy. And maybe the comical element will be a a a, a method actress. Um, Definitely, sort of, t- sort of taking her on, and we can sort of have yeah. fun with that. That's maybe. really fun. Yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> like wearing her robes, or, or like, where did you get that? Oh, this is Norma's robe, or this is Norma's yeah. hat. You're wearing it. You know, <laughs> goes goes so far as actually kills someone at the end. Actually shoots them dead. <laughs> fucking great idea, man. That's a fucking great idea. Ends in that swimming pool again. So maybe, maybe they go back to the same house and shoot it there. So just just to recap, so I've got a, an understanding of what this is. We're starting with like maybe maybe the real Norma dying, someone dusting off an old script written by Betty, um, that that then says now's the time to get this made and be faithful to it and everything. Is that is that was it? And then we're basically doing what we did on um, Notting Hill. Uh, oh, here we go. Are we? Well, we? well, we're retelling the original, but in it with a Hollywood lens, right? In, we're, we're, think, we're going behind the scenes of the Hollywood remake of the original film. Oh, as yeah, the we sequel. Um, yeah, but I think there should be some changes, though. Like, it's Hollywooded up. It's not just a straight remake of the events in the first film. It's all elaborate and, like, you know, everything's been blown up to 11 and it's all. No, that's, the, cha- that's, that's the challenge for our heroes, right? We have a female, maybe we have a female and a male hero who for some reason maybe it is the death of norma and she lived she lived a very long time (laughs) um and that triggers them to to try and preserve this this script as it is but the hollywood system is permanently trying to ruin it which is by you've got execs saying no it needs um some andy circus in motion capture (laughs) yeah it needs andy Andy circus Circus. (laughs) you you can't have yeah you can't have a lead character who who um you you know like cheats with this woman uh, behind one of his good friends backs all that sort of, you can't have a like a nuanced uh script it's got to be a good guy it's got to be like a hero what about um, if a superhero yeah. comes in at the end and kills her um you know like <laughs> what about franchise <laughs> yeah, yeah like thanos well i think no, that's like, it no, that's like, it going then, back to the franchise point you've got to be thinking about sequels you've got to be thinking about how we set up for a second one and a third one and a, you know yeah. where we- does this fit into the marvel cinematic universe yeah, like literally, literally, they're just like, wait a minute, this isn't a superhero film. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> yeah. All right. Get out. <laughs> so I think we've got a loose plot there, which is cool. I want to start talking uh, cast. Who, if you're going to be doing this now, I mean, like we said, Nancy Olsen's back, and I think it'd be a great 
your point, Al, about, you know, she had a successful career in Hollywood leading up to this now. She's since retired. But I think it'd be great to sort of bring her back in in some way. But I'm more interested in who you would see playing Norma Desmond now. Well, Glenn Close is about to do it, isn't she? She's got a, she's got a script for uh, a, a, a film version of the musical, of the stage play version. Uh, yeah, she's in, the in the she's in the musical as well. So she's she's got the film version in the works. Apparently, that's that's uh, oh, that's worth mentioning. Um, ha- ha- happening. That I, I, don't, a, I don't know if it's been like greenlit. I don't know if it's actually happening. It's one of those things. That's been I, happening I believe for it years. has been greenlit. I think it was supposed to be shooting, um, but then COVID happened, and then had to put it on the back burner. Thank right. fuck, so we can get this out before it. Um, yeah. So, uh, who are you thinking of? Well, I, I don't know. You know what? I, I kind of, she felt kind of timeless. So I kind of forgot her age for a minute. And I was going to say Emma Stone as like this, but then that would be her in her prime, wouldn't it? I was going to so, say Emma Stone as Na- the Nancy character. But we cast Emma Stone quite a lot, but she has got this old, Betty. She has got this old, the, the new, well, whoever the new Betty is. It's Betty, but, sorry, yeah. But she's got this, she has got this old Hollywood. Um, it's the eyes, quali- you're entirely qu- right. Quality yeah. about her, hasn't she? Yeah, she but, has, um, yeah. It, again, it doesn't have to... Glenn Close is, is playing maybe an older version of, of Norma, but Norma at the time must be late 50s, early 60s, but when her star was fading. So go on, Joe. So I've Five. got a quick question. Uh, are the actors in the film, right? So are the actors playing warped versions of themselves, just like Cecil B. DeMille was in the, fir- in the original movie? Are we saying we're going to have like Emma Stone as Emma Stone playing Betty? That's a great idea. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think it's a really good chat, man. Do that. All right, cool. I think we can, we can do an element of that. Yeah, but then, yes, no, but okay, yeah, but then when you got to, the the, the met, you know, that kind of. Um, I wish you met- could see Al's face now, uh, met- like you know the, the 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 confliction on his face. Yes, no, yes. <laughs> the cogs were turning. <laughs> well, here you go. Um, no, I was going to suggest Michelle Pfeiffer for um for Ooh, for, for, for well. Norma. I'm a bit. She's she's. Um, you know, class, but um, that's a great show. So she, but are you saying she'd have to play herself, playing well, Norm. both, both? She have to play Norm. She have to play herself, playing we're filming Norm. around the film and her in the film. What about Michelle Pfeiffer and Tom Hiddleston as Joe? You know what? I fucking hate that guy. Oh, <laughs> fuck, he looks that, really annoying. He's a. I fucking hate that guy. Um, I couldn't. I find him tolerable as Loki, and that's it. Um, am I on my own with that? Do you guys like him? He looks um, annoying. I don't mind his acting. I think he's a good actor. I like him. I think he's quite a good actor. Um, well, well I, I don't know. It's in certain things. I mean, like in when he tried to be like an action hero in Kong, I thought, "Fuck off, mate!" <laughs> Not buying it whatsoever. I think I saw this interview Get with some him on the muscles, great- nerd. There's an inter- he was on a chat show and he was just he just recited the entire cafe scene from Heat with Robert De Niro sat next to him and it was just like an appalling impression and like De Niro was sort of having to fake laugh and I just was like I'm oh, never- it's a bad idea I get it say it say it's a bad idea I loved him in High Rise and I like him in Midnight in Paris okay so um, go on then. who you think of a judge are you thinking I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a great shout I think I think Pfeiffer would be good it's very difficult to look past Ryan Gosling isn't it for this um, oh. in terms of just um, Hollywood charm but I think we should do so let's uh... <laughs> I was going to say Ryan Gosling's got the right kind of body as well you see William Holden in front of, he's fucking 
ripped, mate. He looks what, fucking amazing. What, what about we choose actors that are actually known for being a bit weird and a bit method, like Joaquin Phoenix or Christian Bale? To or Ed Norton. I prefer Christian, uh, not uh, Joaquin Phoenix for this. I don't know if Christian Bale. Joaquin uh, Phoenix could he's be. Not, he's not very charming, Christian Bale, is he? He's a bit sort of aloof. But Joaquin doesn't look. Cla- uh, Michelle Pfeiffer looks classically Hollywood. Joaquin is Hollywood of our age now. You couldn't put him back then as, as a film when this is set, I don't think. I don't think he's. That's a great cast. Well, yeah, he, but he's he, got to be way younger than the woman. He, well, Raheem's probably about, we're saying he's about 50, isn't he? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so but is I, Christian Bale. He could, he could pull off um, the, the, you know, you could be, he's believable as a sort of a writer, an artist. Shia you know? as well? LaBeouf? Oh, LaBeouf's a great shout. Total yeah, LaBe- weirdo, method actor, uh, right age. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, LaBeouf. LaBeouf it is. All right, so you got LeBuff and Fight. I found, <laughs> who's playing Betty? Um, oh, God, LeBuff, Charles LeBuff, Michelle Pfeiffer. It's suddenly, like <laughs> know, a, it's suddenly a bizarre script. Seeing uh, script, it on the poster, I'm suddenly like less, uh, less impressed. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, what? If you saw that, you'd be like, what are they doing? I think, yeah, at this, at this point, you need like a director that you say, well, they're going to do an amazing job because that cast is shoddy. You know, the, you know the only <laughs> <laughs> that cast is shoddy. <laughs> the, the, what, so basically, we've got um, Shia LaBeouf, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Andy Serkis uh, <laughs> as, as the butler. As the butler, well, Max. didn't we kind of land on Emma Stone for um, Betty as well? Betty, oh, uh, that's Emma Stone good... as Betty. We could get Andy Serkis in. Do you remember in the in the original? There's when he goes to the house, the monkeys died, and they brought in a small coffin. <laughs> Andy Circus, Andy Circus can play the dead monkey. He gets paid twenty million just to lie, li- just to lie there with his Look how life-like it is. Look, it's so oh real. Oh okay, my god! Let's get fantastic. off car. Let's talk director. Oh, well, Who are we know, thinking for this? You know what? It, it's funny what Joe said. Like you need you need stand-up director. You need the Billy Wilder of now. You need the guy who's as big as that. And you know what? It's already happening. West Side Story, isn't it? So the only person who could like do it and sell it would be Spielberg. Like, do you know what I mean? The same way they're doing West Side Story. Like, which is also like, why are you make why are you remaking West Side Story? A perfect film. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I um, thought that until I saw the the teaser trailer for the new one and I thought, boy, fucking hell, this looks good. I was exactly the same. It, it, like I, he has I, shot this well. I was like, I was like, press play, and I was like, boo. <laughs> then I, I saw one frame of it and I was like, it looks glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so you want Scott? You want Spielberg for this? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, what do you think? I want to see Scorsese do it. It's Are you the- talking about the actual director, director, or the Cecil B. DeMille character? No, 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 no. director, 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 director of um, this sequel. Yeah, yeah, all right. And then what? Scorsese as a guy in the film. That's ah, a great shout. Lucas, he'll get Lucas in it as a guy in the film. Oh. And he's uh, just got to use your imagination. Let's I just think- CGI a little creature in the corner. It can be called. Get, we can get. We can get. We can get Andy Circus in. We can call it uh, Little Gizmo, and he can just be on his shoulder the whole time. So, Stone, LaBeouf, Pfeiffer, Spielberg. What's it called? That has come together as a package, like big time. Put Spielberg on that, and you're like, fucking hell, that's it's pretty sh- good. It's, it's, Shia LaBeouf, it's, good, it's Shia LaBeouf that's bothering me at the minute. He's going to smash it. He's going to smash it. <laughs> he's Spielberg, great, man. Spielberg, though, he knows what he's doing. 
He's got a bit of um, history with him after K- uh, Crystal Skull. What's um, it called? Return to Sun- Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> oh, fucking fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, what's the street name? The one ten thousand and eighty-six or something? Sunset yeah. Boulevard. What's I know. I the, thought that Sunset Boulevard yeah. ten thousand and eighty-six. What about this? Ready? <laughs> Ready? A fallen star. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> star has fallen. There you go. It's a bit, bit similar Brian. to a star. Right. Well, that's what I'm going to think. So when they see the poster, people are going to be like not that interested, but then they might be confused and think it's part of the same thing. Go and see it anyway. <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. Draft two, and based on the script. Second draft. Second yeah. draft. Second, Second draft, draft yeah. is quite good. Working title. Uh, draft, two, draft two is pretty good. It, well, you know. And you just you have it. You just play up to it on all marketing, so it's got the the courier font of a script. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you could have the typewriter like that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I yeah. mean, yeah. A, a teaser poster would just be that courier font of a script. Saying a film by Steven Spielberg um, on it, saying draft two, Sunset Boulevard, draft two by Steven Spielberg. It's, 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 be, it's best. It's best picture winner, and you know, is, is already you're like it's best pitch. This is this is the best picture winner next year. <laughs> okay, so some good ideas there. Right. Okay. Right. Well, we've done it. We've got a plot. We've got a cast. We've got a director. We've got a title. Who's taking this one home? Uh, yeah, I'll try. I can barely remember what we've said now because we've sort of spoken about Andy Serkis and Shia LaBeouf for we'll leave him 45 out and you've minutes. Got, you've got a great thing. Let's go for it. Um, okay, so credits open again. Sunset Boulevard, uh, Sunset Boulevard sign. Uh, instead of like the kind of wide open streets with the cars coming along as in the original, now it's just like tourists everywhere, palm trees, freaking McDonald's. Uh, whatever other like M&M shop everyone running around having a great time uh, there's like film execs running around we like sort of cut to Hollywood lots and there's like film writers running around film execs struggling to get films made they don't know what to make um, someone comes up with some, it's, it's uncovered somehow the what, what did we say for that it's like the great granddaughter of so, no, it's a struggling writer, Nancy, uh, not Nancy, Betty, um, played by Emma Stone, has got this script um, she's been working on with Shia LaBeouf. Um, yeah, well, maybe she um, hires Shia LaBeouf, but she's working in the old offices that Betty's company, isn't it? It's on there. So she finds it. Yeah. she find, Oh, yeah. Okay. She finds it. She dusts it off. They sort of tie it up a bit, make it modern. Uh, they're sort of taken with this story. They, they ship it around. Everyone thinks it's crap. No one wants these... No one wants these in-depth films about old fading stars of Hollywood and myths of murders and whatever. It's all a bit crap. Like, where's uh, where's Andy Serkis? Where's the superheroes? Where's the motion capture? Um, so they go to Norma Desmond's great-great-granddaughter. It's like, well, maybe she'll be interested. She is a film that She fucking loves it. They're like, oh, film about my family, film about my great-grandmum. Yes, great. Uh, she signs it off. Uh, and then there's what, like a 20 minute scene about casting, um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Andy Serkis and Charlotte Beef ends up being in it as well, somehow. Um, and Steven Spielberg, method. yeah, Steven Spielberg doesn't even have to get the call. He just hears about it through the grapevine and it's like, I'm taking that on. Fucking Emma, uh, Betty and 
uh, Joe, played by Shia LaBeouf, just can't believe it. They're like, wow, wow, now we can finally get Andy Serkis in it, now that Steven's involved. And they make it, and um, what, we cut, we cut out when... Uh, when the premiere's on and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's face comes up on the screen, she looks exactly like Norma Desmond. She looks exactly like Gloria Swanson as Norma Desmond. Um, the audience is in applause. Um, and that's it. Clap, I think fade it, to I black. Think, I think it is. I think people faded to black there. <laughs> well done, John. Somewhere in there is is the pitch. Make of that what you will, but more importantly, uh, we've taken a classic, and yet again, we've put our own little spin on it. Who'd have thought it possible? Probably no one out there. What would have you have done, guys? Let us know, as ever. Uh, great having you along. Thanks for listening. And if you can rate us five stars, that'd be great. If not, don't worry about it. We'll just see you next time. Take care, guys. Cheers. <laughs>